Hi, everybody. Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Lockdown Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome into another episode of the Locked On Blue Devils podcast. It's so great to have you here with us on this Wednesday. My name is J.J. Jackson, and I proudly serve as the host of Locked On Blue Devils. If you haven't done so already, please be sure to follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils. And you can follow me on Twitter as well at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. Lockdown Blue Devils is a daily podcast devoted to everything going on in the life of Duke athletics. We've got a big time focus on Duke basketball. We know there's such a massive community there. And we're talking about this Blue Devil team every single weekday. So do us a favor, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Also watch the show daily on YouTube as well. Coming up on today's show, I'm so thrilled to now welcome in my good pal, Kevin Connolly. He is the site expert for Ball Durham. Kevin, I hope you're doing well. Hope you enjoyed the long weekend uh, this past weekend. And now here we are in the midst of a week with no midweek game for the Stukeman's basketball team. Good to be with you. Good. To, thanks for having me. Long, uh, long weekend, busy weekend. Um, but maybe it's a good thing there's no Duke basketball this week. Yeah, it's tough to watch uh, after results like they had on Saturday against Clemson. Although, let's be fair, it was not like the game against NC State in which Duke fell behind 20-0, to ultimately loses by 24 points. Duke did have a uh, lead in the first half. They led by six or seven in the second half, ultimately just could not close away the Clemson Tigers. What would you make of that game? You know I- – the team lacked a closer. Like there was no Mariano Rivera coming out of the coming out of the bullpen that you can give give the ball to late in the game. Um, and frankly, I think that was Jeremy Roach. I think if Jeremy Roach played that game, if he was able to play that game, Duke would have won because they. I mean, Tyrese Proctor was fine handling the ball, but it just felt like to me Duke needed a guy that's been there, done that to try and close the game out. Because when you look, <clears throat> I think it was what they led. Was it like 44-36, something yeah. like that, mid- midway through that second half? And you're like, all right, here we go. Time time to pull away. Like you, you have Clemson on the ropes. Uh, Brad Brunell called timeout. You're like, all right, here we go. And then Clemson comes back with a run. And then when Duke went down, Mark Mitchell made a shot to make it 58-56 Clemson. And then Flip misses a three. And then Clemson can't put the ball in the basket. And Duke has these chances to, to take the lead or tie. And then Flip gets fouled. And he splits free throws. And then it felt like missing that second free throw was the killer because it felt like they just needed to get that game tied or just go in front. And they had a real chance at winning it. But they, the offense, once again, failed them. Yeah, let's talk about Kyle Filipowski. We're going to talk a lot about the offense today because that's where Duke has struggled. They've only had one game over 70 points so far in 2023 of the four that they've played, and Duke has never really struggled on the offensive end and with so much talent, it is surprising. But Filipowski goes 8 of 22 from the floor, 1 of 5 from three-point range, Kevin, and fouls out of the basketball game. He's gotten a lot of offensive fouls this season. Sometimes I think he forgets that he is seven foot one there in the post, trying to score on the inside. Um, and, and it's just like his play, it's been the best so far for Duke this season, 18 points, 14 rebounds against Clemson, but there are still some frustrating parts of his game as well. Yeah, I mean, it looked like he was hitting a wall there in that Wake Forest and Florida State game, and then NC State, I guess he came alive – at right, the end, which 
they lost by 24. No one really came alive. But against Pitt, like, he was one of the main reasons why they won. Like, and I guess you have to give this team credit for how they played in that second half against Pitt. You can't just discredit it. But you're, you're – he shouldn't be the number one option on this team. And I feel like just because his production is there, he's becoming that number one option. Obviously everyone knows I'm the captain of the Derek Whitehead bandwagon. I feel like without Jeremy Roach, he should be the team's go-to option. I mean, he struggled the last two games against Pitt and now against Clemson. Um, I think he's like what, two of 17, maybe from the field in, in those games. And obviously that's not what you want, but they got to John Shire has to find a way to get him going because He's this team's most talented player. You talk about Tyrese Proctor as well. He had a really outstanding first half of play for Duke, but could not get shots to fall. Still finishes with 17 points, which is one of his better scoring outings so far in his young freshman season, but was 5 of 15 from the floor, including 2 of 9 from three-point range. He has needed to step up his game in the absence of Jeremy Roach, but still as a team – Duke going just three of 20 from three-point range against Clemson is not going to cut it as they move forward the rest of the season. Yeah, and he has stepped up in in, in uh, Jeremy Roach's spot since that Boston College game. He wasn't great against Boston College in that close win on the road, but he was outstanding against Pitt, especially in the second half, and he had good numbers against Clemson, but the clutch time plays weren't there. I know in the NBA – they talk about clutch time. Like that's yeah. not really a it's not really a thing in college basketball, but the the premise is still there. And Duke just wasn't clutch at all against Clemson. And again, you just like, all right, like if Jeremy Roach was there, could he have used a pick and got to the basket? Could he have taken a three um off the dribble? Could could he have done something that propelled them to victory? In my mind, I say yes, although he hasn't been great. In the past couple of games, I know John Shire talked yesterday to the media that he was talking with the trainers, and basically it's like he has turf toe, um, so it could be very painful to play through. But um, I was encouraged against Pitt with the way the young guys just came together and won, and then it just feels like you're a little discouraged against Clemson. And, again, you give Clemson credit. They're a good team. They, they're they finding ways to win these basketball games. But it felt like Duke left uh, left an opportunity out there on the floor on Saturday night. Kevin Connolly is the site expert for Ball Durham. We're going to talk more about the Duke men's basketball team after our first time out here on today's episode of the program. Locked on Blue Devils here today is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. This is your number one source for sports betting information, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional league out there and also college sports as well. From the pro football, we've got NFL playoffs going on, heading to the divisional rounds. How about those playoffs? A great first week of games, wild card weekend. We've got all the lines that you need to realize and check out at Bet Online. If you love sports podcasts, you can find those at Bet Online as well. Always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online, where the game starts. Moving forward here on today's episode of Lockdown Blue Devils, I'm JJ Jackson alongside my pal Kevin Connolly, the site expert for Ball Durham. Give a plug for your website real quick, Kevin. Well, you know, we're we're always growing. We're always trying to improve. Uh, a lot of Duke basketball stuff, a lot of Duke in the NBA stuff. Um, and then, obviously, football, it's off-season time, so recruiting time. Any guys going to get drafted, any guys got a shot getting drafted. Um, you want it, Duke Athletics, we got it. So head on over to balldurham.com and give us a follow on Twitter at ball underscore Durham. 
Love it. Let's talk a little bit more about the Duke men's basketball team uh, with what they've done so far this season. We've got some individual numbers that you could see if you're watching us on YouTube so far this year. Kyle Filipowski right now, the leader for the Blue Devils, points scored, rebounds, and in steals. Done a really nice job on that end of the floor. But you take a look at some of the individual numbers for Duke, Kevin, and unlike in years prior when Duke has had top recruiting classes, there's not a player who was just by and far so much greater than everyone else, right, that is creating so much national headlines and storylines in the game of college basketball. It's a little different this season. And that's the one negative in terms of Duke, like, you don't know, I guess in some some versions it's a good way and some versions it's not a good way. You don't know who's going to be the alpha every time, that every night they take the floor. Yeah, it, it could be somebody different every night. And again, I guess that's a good thing. But also you still want your trusty, hardworking alpha type guy on the court. I wrote a column um, last week that the biggest problem this team has, it, it doesn't have an alpha. Like, all right, is it going to be Kyle Filipowski? Is it going to be Jeremy Roach? Is it going to be Derek Whitehead? Is it going to be Mark Mitchell? Because I think Mark Mitchell on a team that where they don't have as met, as many players at his position, I think he can be an alpha uh, on on a given team. Um, I think that's the problem that John Shire still hasn't figured out is going to be all right. Who's my go to score when we need a bucket when a team's on a nine two run with eight minutes left to go in the second half? Or who's going to be the guy we go to when we desperately need a two pointer with three minutes to go in the second half? That, that's the problem. And you look at Kyle Filipowski. Yes, he's so good down low, shooting 42.4% from the field. But look at that far right column. I mean, he, he's less than – he's almost a 25% uh, three-point shooter, which isn't great. And as the team, they're only shooting 31% from three. That's it, crazy, it, Kevin. I mean, it, it, to start so well, and now Filipowski, like you said, 25.8% from three-point range. It makes them so much easier to defend because you're like, all right, I'll give you that three-pointer because the numbers say the odds are you're not going to make it. And if you do, you're not going to make it again and you're not going to make it consistently. That's why they're becoming so easy to defend. And I think that's a reason why uh, you're seeing the offense sputter like it is despite averaging 72 points per game. Yeah, you've got three-point percentage numbers. Again, Duke was just three of 20 against Clemson as a team. Mark Mitchell, by far and away, has been the top most productive three-point shooter for Duke at 41.4%, but he's not taking a lot. He's taking one or two attempts a game, knocking them down when he does take them. Outside of that, Jacob Grandison and Derek Whitehead are shooting right at 33% on the year, 36% shooting for Jalen Blakes, uh, 32.3% for Jeremy Roach, who's been out injured, and then Tyrese Proctor, 24% from three-point range, another player whose uh, numbers you want to see improve from the outside. But the best pure shooter on the team doesn't play. Yeah. And that's the part I just don't get. Jaden Shoot, 50% three-point shooter so far this season. And granted, it's in limited minutes and whatever, but that's the part I just do not get. It's like, okay, if you're concerned about his defense, like go zone, put put him put him on a the opposing player who isn't as good prolifically. Like I'm not saying run Jaden shoot out there, and if he has to play, he has to guard the team's top, other leading scorer. Like he doesn't have to do that. Like put him on a a guy that doesn't really score as much if you're that concerned about his defense because you desperately need to space the floor and he's the one guy that you could probably can lean on consistently to do it. And they just won't put him out there because Jacob Grandison, a guy we thought would be able to do that. I think he's been a major disappointment so far um, transferring in from Illinois. 
Yeah, I think at this point, because the defense, I do think, is what you hear a good bit for Jaden shoot. Look, you've struggled so much offensively. I don't know that that can be the excuse anymore. Like, if there is a guy that can knock down shots from the outside for you, put him in the game. And then Jacob Grandison, like we're saying, was known as a three-point shooter. The grad transfer coming over from Illinois by way of Holy Cross initially, shooting an even 33% from three-point range. But there are games like Saturday where he's out there for 17 minutes against Clemson and only gets two looks at three-point range, right? Yeah, like, even when guys are out there on the floor, they're not getting shots. Yeah, it's like he's a non-factor. And I've, I'm more baffled at the fact that Jaden Shute hasn't really gotten any run specifically in the absence of Jeremy Roach. And I'm not saying Jaden Shute should get uh, like 17, 18, 19, 25 minutes a game. I'm not saying that just – Put him out there. Put him out there five to seven. Give, like, give him a four-minute spurt. Yeah. Like, see what he can do in a four-minute spurt. If he plays well, all right, give him more minutes. Like If he's knocking down threes, leave him out there because this team desperately needs shooting, and they don't have it, and he can bring it. Um, and, and that's that's the, the, the baffling part of uh, this offense. And I know John Shire again said in his press conference um, on Monday, he said like they, someone asked him uh, what, this, what, the, what they needed to do during this quote-unquote bye week. And he said, fix the offense. I, I mean, JJ, I told you that uh, in the middle of December when they had yeah. a game in two weeks. I was like, this is the chance to fix the offense. And now all of a sudden they think they have, they're going to fix the offense in a week when uh, they got a really good uh, Miami team coming into Cameron on Saturday afternoon. Let's talk a little bit more about that game, what it could mean for Duke, and uh, what's next for this Blue Devil Bunch. And we'll do that after our next time out here on today's edition of Locked on Blue Devils. Thanks so much. Always making Locked On Blue Devils your first listen every single day. And also appreciate you watching us each and every day on YouTube. Make sure that you check out our other basketball podcast, Locked On College Basketball. It's everything you need to know about college basketball in one place. Plus, you can hear from big-name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. Our two hosts, Isaac Shade and Andy Patton, do a phenomenal job with this program. Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. We welcome back in my good pal Kevin Connolly, again, the site expert from Ball Durham, talking about the Stukeman's basketball team who will be back in action this coming Saturday at Cameron Indoor Stadium. Home game from Duke. Duke is 13-5 and on the season. But all five of those losses, one thing that they have in common, none of them took place at Cameron Indoor. The Stuke team has taken care of the home court advantage, and they're going to need to do that again against the top 20 team in the Miami Hurricanes coming up on Saturday. Yeah, and it gives Duke a chance for a good win. Now, this team doesn't have many good wins on the year. Now, and I kind of mentioned it as well when uh, I think it was uh, Ohio State lost to Minnesota at home last week that all these wins are aging. The wins that they do have are aging horrifically with the exception of Xavier. Now, Xavier is probably the best team in the Big East. They're just rolling are the Musketeers, and, and Duke handled them on a neutral floor. So that's that win is improving, but, like, the, the Ohio State law, the Ohio State win, excuse me, is aging poorly because the Buckeyes really are stumbling in Big Ten play. The Iowa yeah. win was aging poorly, but now the Hawkeyes are trying to make a, a turnaround. So maybe that's not as bad. But other than Xavier, like which is their team's best win, like they don't have a good win. Like they lost to Kansas, they lost to Purdue, um, they, they're losing uh, to Clemson, like they, NC State, Wake Forest. They, they don't have a good win. And Miami, um, if they hold serve at home against uh, Syracuse will be a top 25 team 
coming top 20 team, even coming into Cameron. Um, I, I would expect Cameron, the energy level to be through the roof. I'm expecting, I would expect Duke to win, to be quite honest with you. It's going to be an unranked Duke team against a ranked Miami team. I don't know how many people expected that coming into the season, but um, yeah, my, Miami's a good team. Um, and it's weird because like the traditional powers aren't at the top of the conference, like your Duke and Carolina and Virginia is like, they're all good, but they're still trying to find their footing in ACC play. So Saturday presents a, a challenge for Duke, but uh, I'm going into the game expecting them to win. And the first of two meetings this year with Miami coming up on Monday, February 6th, Duke will play Miami on the road. So Saturday at home uh, and then Monday, February 6th, they'll take on the Hurricanes in Coral Gables, Florida. It's and a bye week. More thing Go ahead. About, about this game against Miami, like it's a huge game because Duke just lost on the road to Clemson. They play Miami on Saturday. Then they got to quickly turn around on Monday and go. That's to where I was going next. Yep. Go to Virginia Tech, which has been a house of horrors for Duke, similar to what PNC Arena has been when they played NC State. And then they got to go over the weekend on the road to play Georgia Tech. So it's almost like a must win if you're Duke. Like you can't lose this game because you haven't proven that you can win on the road. So you got to take care of business against a good Miami team at home. A really quick turnaround playing on Saturday and then the Monday game at Virginia Tech to play there in Castle Coliseum. With the Duke basketball team, you mentioned Dariq Whitehead too. Just two points against Clemson. Uh, not his best efforts against Pitt this past week. But that comes immediately following back-to-back games where he made four three-point shots from the outside. Again, it's just an inconsistent level of play for everybody on this Duke basketball roster. Dariq Whitehead, I think we would all agree, is the most talented player on this Duke men's basketball team, so they really need him to get going uh, for Duke to turn it around this season. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said earlier, it's just like you just said now, the lack of consistency. You don't know what you're going to get from each given player every time they step out on the floor. It could be a great game from player X and a bad game from player Y. And that that's the thing that's hurting this team right now the most. And I think they also have to find a way to get Mark Mitchell incorporated a little bit more, run more plays for him. This kid can score. This kid's an athlete. We saw it in the first couple of games when Derek Lively and Derek Whitehead didn't play like Mark Mitchell and Kyle Filipowski were kind of the focus. And granted those were against lesser competition, but like, it feels like Mark Mitchell right now is picking up a lot of the scraps, like the offensive rebound putbacks or, or stuff like that. Loose ball finds him underneath the basket and he puts it up. It feels like they're not running a lot of plays for Mark Mitchell. And I think that could try and open up the offense a little bit more because it's another post player, more athletic than Kyle Filipowski down low. He can get into the lane with a hop step a little bit easier than Filipowski. And he's also a good passer, which you haven't seen. Maybe one of these shooters like a Jaden shoot. I'm just throwing out ideas there. Yeah. John Snyder's out there listening. Kick it in the corner, knock down a three, something like that. I'd love to see that take place. Kevin, as always, it's so great to chat with you. The Locked On Blue Devils week flew by last week without any visits from you. So glad to have you back on the program. And we'll have to do this again next week, okay? Absolutely, JJ. Always a pleasure to be here. Be well. That's my good pal Kevin Connolly joining us here on the program today. Go make sure you check out Ball Durham for all your coverage for Duke Athletics. Keep listening to Locked On Blue Devils each and every day as well. That's going to do it for today's show. As always, go Duke. I'm looking forward to talking to you tomorrow. My name is JJ Jackson. Thank you and good day.